This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. For today's special centenary show, my guest is the rapper, activist, artist and hip-hop pioneer Chuck D. Chuck rose to prominence in the 80s with his band Public Enemy, which he formed in New York with his friend Flavor Flav. They went on to be one of the biggest selling and most influential hip-hop acts of all time with a string of seminal albums including Yo Bum Rush The Show, Fear of a Black Planet and It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Chuck's lyrics are fiery and political and over the past four decades he's come to transcend his role as rap artist and become a spokesperson for generations of African Americans. Perhaps the lesser known aspects of his life are that he's a lifelong non-drinker and a trained artist who paints in his spare time. Now, he's released his first fine art book, Come Memoir, Living Loud, published by Genesis Publishing, a beautiful collection of his illustrations, which, together with 13,000 of his written words, give unique and unprecedented insight to his life and career. Chuck has been a hero of mine since I was a teenager and first saw him perform Fight the Power. I always had him down as one of the coolest blokes on the planet, and when I first got sober, I took big inspiration from the fact that Chuck had never been a drinker, but was anything other than boring. Anyway, I was delighted he agreed to join me for this special episode. They say never meet your heroes, but Chuck turned out to be an exception to that rule, living up to all of my expectations. He proved to be funny, compelling and inspirational company. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Chuck D, welcome to The Reset. Hello, Sam. Good to be here. Uh, this book is marvellous. Uh, who knew um, that you were such a great artist? But of course, you were an art student, weren't you? Yes, I was an art student. And I like to call myself, uh, you know, um, sort of like a forming illustrator. So I guess artists will explain, you know, my songwriting and what I do as an illustrator. But I've been doing it all my life. Um, uh, I, I can paint. I can do graphics, I can do design, 
but I like to just say that I'm a illustrator and I have graphic grovels that are on the way and into the marketplace. And uh, I really was turned out um, all my time that I was on the road uh, performing in my many over 100 tours. And one day I heard that Ron Wood of the Rolling Stones sketches out his hotel room before he goes in it. And once I heard that, I was like, hmm, something to do with downtime. Yeah, I mean, was downtime difficult for you? Because you've never been the sort of uh, rock star who kind of, you know, goes in for the drinking and hedonism like a lot of people do on the road. Well, I mean, I mean, how much of that can you do? I mean, it's like, you know, I'm not going to go to the bar and I've been in cities over and over and over again. So the minute I knew I could turn my hotel room into an art studio, uh, especially if we got three to four day rendezvous, um, it was a perfect use of my time. Um, you can't be home and in, in, in the hotel room at the same time. So uh, that's the closest I got to simulating um, something that, that I felt that was close to home. And does that help? Is it difficult kind of mentally, emotionally, spiritually being being away? Is this like just a, a sort of a form of what, like meditation or just grounding you? Yeah, auditation. I think that's something that... Uh, Genesis also formed the, the word auditation because um, going into yourself, man, I mean, that's pretty much what it what, what meditation is about. Can you go in yourself? And I think when my dad passed in 2016, I was looking for more answers other than the religious answers or he's in a better place. And, you know, um, I actually did uh, a, a, a bout of ayahuasca and had some answers that I knew I already had, you know. What what is that uh, ayahuasca? Well, ayahuasca is actually a, sort of like a, a a journey, a spiritual journey through the uses of uh, um, a sacrament. Use D and T, and it's almost like uh, you know, it's you're going to a, a sacrament, and it's not mushrooms, but it's it's a natural element of of it's a it's really the sacrament of of going within yourself and and uh that was helpful it was helpful because it kind of like reconnected the art i already had in myself so um it gave me answers that i already had yeah and that was at a time of grief so yes yeah and, and the grief was was new and it was immense i mean it's just like you talk to somebody for 55 years and then you got the silence so Hey, you know, and art came through. That's all I got to say, Sam. Art came through. Um, reading about the, the the beautiful thing about this book is is that we get um, it's 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 autobiography as much as it is like art because there's there's beautiful words as well as beautiful images in there. And I, I see a picture of like a, a a very sensitive child who obviously had an artistic soul. One thing that really captured my attention was the fact that when you were quite young, when you were just a child, you used to go for very long walks on your own. Yeah, Sam, it wasn't a young child. I would do that uh, 18, 19, 20. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like take a long walk and have a conversation with yourself. Mm. Um, that Those were helpful. Um, but I, I had a blessed childhood. My parents that were totally... Um, encouraged by letting me find my own path and just guided me along the way to be independent. 
but yet still be thinking at the same time and 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 don't just follow for the sake of following you know it's uh it's really interesting to to read about what you were like when you were younger because clearly you always had this sort of these inclinations towards art and expression and you were and you were contemplative and it's so easy for like young guys especially to just get you know want to be distracted want to be numbed out whether yeah. that's through drink or drugs or superficialities of like entertainment or or whatever um what, what do you put that down to? Is it your parents, do you think, that you had sort of slightly more, uh, you had more of a depth to your worldview? You are who you are. Some of these things, you don't know why. But um, number one, contrary to popular belief, I don't like to talk a lot. I like to be quiet. Mm. I like to listen more than talk. But um, if my calling is to, you know, speak when I'm a spokesperson for people who probably won't be asked to talk, and I have to speak from the vantage point of artistry or where um, I'm at as a black man in this world in 2023, an older one as I was when I was younger, then you can't be afraid of the moment to be able to say what you think. And that's where I think um, the parental encouragement came from. Like, you know, don't be afraid to speak your mind. Don't go out there to, to crash people and make them feel bad. You know, do one to others as you would have done to you or say one to others that you would like to say to you if you feel that you're saying the right thing for the right time in the right context. So that's where I come from. So, um, and I always had some kind of pad and paper next to me. But I didn't write my, my first bar or poem until I was 20 years old, Sam. Mm -hmm. So... It, I mean, every year in school, they used to have the art contest and the poetry contest. But I used to win the art contest, so I was like, I, I defaulted out of the poetry contest. I'm like, <laughs> I already got one. I'll have to take the poetry contest, and I, you know, and I wasn't. I don't. I definitely wasn't good at it. I'll go figure, right? I, I'm. I live in the <laughs> first twenty years of my life as an illustrator, expressionist, and I get five more years of that going to university. And then I end up running my mouth and what I thought with my mouth as opposed to with my hands and mine. So that's a, that was, a, you know, really what it boils down to, Sam, is like you choose half of life and the other half of life chooses you. Right. So you a lot of times, I, well, a lot of times with the illustrations, um, they form themselves. Hmm. And I didn't go in there with any intent to the other just like, you know, put the pen down and see where it goes. You know, I mean, I'm in, I'm in an exciting context, too. I'm on tour, many yeah. people, places and things, you know, um, to actually see what I've seen with my eyes and going into my my, you know, art self and my art realm is actually an easy transition. You know, you just finished doing a concert, you know, and you rocked you know, 25 to 50,000 fans, you know, um, you got a lot to, to take back. Um, I was really interested in how you explain this sort of intersection between your love of sport and your love of music. That was really interesting to me. You know, the, the fact that you said, you know, you were even influenced by sports commentary. Is there a spiritual side to, to the, the role sport plays in your life? Well, I think, I think the thing that struck me is that, 
it, it simulates at least that in the beginning of any season, everybody has an equal chance. Mm. I, I mean, not you know, you 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 grow up to find that's not necessarily true. You have people who are like born with advantages or trained to have advantages and stuff like that. Um, but you you always say that in sports it's fair and equal that somebody's going to be able to get a chance to do something. Um, it used to be that way in the arts. Um, it wasn't so cluttered with competition every second and then malfeasance as far as uh, a laziness and curation. But uh, sports is curated because it has to deal with the end result every 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 contest. Um, usually, uh, art could wait. You know, does it help you personally as oh, well geez. in terms of relaxing, switching off? You know, de-stressing. Um. Yeah. For the artists, the art is a, a unbelievable advantage that I have. Um. Somebody once told me art, you know, is in everybody, but it's difficult to get art out of everybody. Mm. Everybody has art in them, but getting art out of them is a, is the test and the task. And would your advice be to like young people to to try and whether it comes to you naturally or instinctively or not to to try to do something artistic or expressive because just for for your own sake. Well, how young is young, Sam? So, I mean, 52 is young to me. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you want people to, to also have a knowledge of self or who they are. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And um, when you know who you are, then everything else is a, is a simple step on down. Am I right in thinking, I touched on it earlier, that you've, you've never been a drinker? No, I don't drink. You don't drink? Mm-hmm. You've never drunk? No, I mean, it's a combination that kind of led up to it. Although, I mean, my dad never drank and my mom never smoked. Mm. So, mm. I mean, I just, you know, I never had that as a, and then I kind of like helped get my dad to stop smoking in the seventies. And my mom never really drank, but she was a social drinker. So that, you know, that was far a few between and my dad stopped smoking. So it was like, you know, what, a, uh, you know, I got, I look at it very early in life where it turned me off enough. Um, that's really interesting. I have to tell you on personal note, like I, I don't drink, but I've, uh, you know, I gave up drinking eight years ago and a role model mm-hmm. for me was you, because what I decided to do was people need role models. And if you've grown up being inspired by great artists, a lot of them tend to have reputations being hedonistic. So I Googled, mm. you know, people, artists who don't drink, and I saw your name on the list, and, I, and I've always been a huge fan. And I thought, well, people often associate drinking or hedonism with being cool, with being tough, with being exciting, with being, you know, uh, charismatic. And, mm. I, I, and I think that, you know, these are all words that are, are associated with you and have been through your career and that you've never gone in for that, that side of things, uh, you know, is it, it you you make it sound very simple but there must have been temptations that uh, you you must have been in a culture where drugs and alcohol were prevalent it was really wild before my recording career so it was very easy to look at the rest of the world like it's not going to move me i started my career um rather rather mature you know started my career i was already 27 
Mm. So I, I, I wasn't I wasn't 21 or 19. But when I was 21 and 19 and 22, we were running some of the, you know, clubs where cats were free basing in the back, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I was a I was a designated driver. I, I, I wanted to be a half-ass athlete, you know. Wasn't a good athlete, but I, I've always felt like if I do any drugs or alcohol, it's gonna make me worse than terrible. You know what I'm saying? I already yeah. was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, don't do that. So I mean, it's just uh, I mean, it was a combination that actually um, made me say, "All right, my my vices are going to be something else." You know what I'm saying? So, um, I mean, part half of my vice is a, is as an anonymous artist. So, and, and, and I mean, it's so controversial. It kind of deals with <laughs> it deals with with the beauty universe of women. You know, because I did a lot of uh, nude uh, painting in in college. Way back uh, in yeah. the early in the late seventies, a different time, the late seventies and the early eighties, but yeah. um um yeah, anatomy classes and stuff like that. So I have an art, uh anonymous art figure that just does that. And I, I you know, and it's not really done off of photos, it's done out of hand arrangements. No different than Picasso. You know what I'm saying? So I mean you, you art has has created a, a realm that that uh doesn't doesn't I mean anything else to get into is, is shallow compared to to my enjoyment in art. And did you ever, uh, especially when you were a younger man, feel judged? Did you know if you were the so-called designated driver? Did you did you ever feel pressures or or judgments culturally for for being the guy who didn't indulge? No, I was I was very. As a as a my parents were saying, you know, as fourteen years old, I would be like, when I got tired of my friends, I'd just walk home and leave them. Mm, cool. <laughs> I was I had more fun with myself than I had with friends at time. And so I mean, and I had license to hang out. You know, I I was the oldest out of three. My brother and sister always wanted to hang out, and I'd be like, yeah, I hung out, and I'm back at the crib at ten. Take myself to bed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I was, I, was a weird, I was a weirdo, and I enjoyed being a weirdo. <laughs> I love that. That's so inspirational. I, I, yeah. I really, I really enjoyed being a, a weird kid. You know? Yeah, that's absolutely uh, brilliant. And, um, I, and I and I and, and I, I credit for my parents for being so independent minded that they were kind of kind of stunned. You know, because they never really forced me to do anything. I went to a high school that I wanted to go to. Um, I went to a college that I wanted to go to. I had jobs that I wanted to have. They never really forced me into anything, but they were there in case I slipped up and they would simply like look at me, well, <laughs> isn't it isn't this what you wanted? It's <laughs> so, <laughs> so they wouldn't have to, you know, they ne- never had to chastise me. I would I would be harder on myself. So um I think I was lucky to have a sense of myself and i think bringing it full circle sam it's like having the art also gave me a world that i can i can realm in and govern you know what i'm saying i could be in my own world you know um i was doing i mean i'll be in fifth grade and the teacher's complaining i'm scribbling while i'm listening my mom came up to the school and says, well, if he's scribbling and still passing the test and listening, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and 
you know, so it was like that type of thing that was encouraging where it could have went the other way. Your parents sound absolutely incredible, like a real privilege to have had them. And I, and I suppose in many ways you've passed that on through your art to, to the rest of the world, the things that they taught you. So, you know, yeah, they were, they were, they were flawless. They were, and you know, like, I mean, they, they wasn't like, um, you know, my mom is still here at 84 yeah. and she's getting ready to have a hip operation in uh, July because she's debilitated by rheumatoid arthritis. But uh, right. so we help her move around and put her to bed, bring my brother, my sister when I'm down there in Atlanta. And um, but they was both really seriously, <laughs> as they say, you know, like you heard the slang word when somebody's 100, like 100 percent. Yeah. You know, yeah. They would say my parents were a thousand. <laughs> so um, uh, the the closing point on that note is like I couldn't be fake. I couldn't be fake, yeah. bro. Yeah, Sam. It's like they could smell fake a mile away. So if yeah. I came in the crib on the something on some other tip, trying to be something I wasn't, um, that would be totally an embarrassment. Cause they would expose it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Legends. Um, what about, I, I want to talk to you about anger. You, you sound like such a, a relaxed and, and, and cool guy and, you know, and you always come across that way in interviews, but of course, so much of your art, um, you know, even, even your illustrations in the book, you know, they're, they're very beautiful and they're often just celebrating heroes and, and people who have mm. inspired you. But at the same time, there's a there's an intensity to it, like there is to your music too. There is an anger and a frustration behind a lot of your art. It, do you need that? And does that still exist in inside of you as much as it did when you were starting out? Well, I think from 2016 up to 2019, I had to get my style back that I had from zero to 25. Mm. And when I actually did uh, uh, my ayahuasca journey, I did it twice. Yeah. To try to figure out what my father's spirit was. My second time I did it with a community a year later in 2018. And I sat with the community and I told my uh, Pilates coach at the time, who was actually in the community, Give me a ream of paper since it was at our house. She gave me a ream of paper and I drew 80 illustrations in four hours. Wow. And that's a whole nother story. And um, I drew 80 illustrations in four hours. And the thing that tripped out and made it different is that I, my hands were going nonstop. And I would do these illustrations from the energy out outward forming the contour outs outline as opposed to going and doing an outline and working in which is usually the, the the path of a lot of artists and myself and whatever but this was so weird because i was drawing situations from its energy like if i drew a can i would draw it from his energy and it would form the outline of the can so it was actually in reverse but it's also a part of a style that I happen to have, but I even happen to to keep. So when I actually do illustrations, it has its style that's really sort of like electric. It has an electric bend to it. Yeah. Um, so it's working from an energy standpoint. And uh, um, 
the point I'm trying to make is that what I had learned is is to hold on to the area of input. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Perfection as opposed to going into... Um, perfection like you know early you know early on i guess when people want to show they could draw they they try to do what they try to reenact a photo or a real figure and yeah. it's exactness and, and and that's realism and then impressionism was a rebellion against uh you know the oncoming photography a photographer so you you see the uh manet and 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 uh picasso and those guys you know, really seriously rebel against the perfection of the line. Mm-hmm. Well, it's no different now. Now we have everything. Uh, and, and social media technically has also helped me. That's what really got the news around that I was an artist because I would upload and everybody would be like, oh, man, we want to get that. I'm like, I'm just uploading because we have this connection that you can see something before social media. You know, there really was no no outlet for somebody who happened to do art and then get it out to the public because before it was like, okay, I got a gallery show, and you tell somebody, mm-hmm. and somebody say, like, yeah, okay, uh, uh, I'll be there. But they they have no way, no way in their head and heart that they're gonna show up at a gallery <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah. but, but if you like, say, it happen to be on the same Instagram or Twitter feed, and a piece of art comes up that's relevant to the moment, you got you got the yeah. reaction that you want at a gallery anyway. And then I didn't have an answer for so many people like. Wow, do you make prints? Uh, uh, how could I get that? Um, maybe you should do books. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing books. I'm not doing prints. I'm not turning this into a, a thing where it's a job and all that. And then one thing led to another, and it ended up that way, which means like, you know, man plans, God laughs. It's like, you know, you write half a life and life writes all the half back. So that's yeah. how that ended up. So. Um, yeah, so back to your a long answer back. Yeah, to the, I loved uh, every bit of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but it's like, is there anger? I think there's energy. I think there's responsive energy. I think there's feedback energy, and the lines uh, are kinetic. I think I think I have a kinetic style um, that that really and 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 the key is as we go in the future as artificial intelligence and deep fakes and um computer perfection goes further into the mind-boggling realism i think the human mistake is an important thing to have uh, for our uh, uh human qualities and our soul 
So yeah. that's why if you look at the book, is it might not be if you compare it to realism. Um, it might, yeah, it's, it's better, you know, but this is not a realism book. It's a style book. And I think this is epitome of my style. And Genesis made the selections of what they thought was um, something that they can they could promote, move, and, and, and call like closest to my style as possible. So and they really it, curated it. Um, has anyone tried to AI a public enemy track yet? Like they've done with the Beatles and various other artists. They're not going to beat me to the punch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm the first person that's going to dance with it, man. I think it's a <laughs> wonderful thing to dance with. You yeah. can't, I mean, it's like sampling, Sam, you can't get lazy with sampling. I mean, you know, as the bomb squad, you know, we we stitched a lot of things together that was deemed impossible. Yeah. And, but then people start sampling and they uh, some of them got even more ingenious and a lot of them got lazier than hell. You know, yeah. just press a button and it's sampled already. I'm going to rock this loop and boom. And yeah, yeah, you, you're rocking a little piece of sampled magic. Well, that's what we're going to see in, in AI is we're going to see a lot of laziness like auto-tune. But, um, and I'm not saying it won't be good. I mean, because chat GPT, it, it's amazing. You go in there with an idea in the blender and you got stuff that's going to come out of that. It's going to be like, whoa. But also it's going to boil down to like, okay, what idea are you putting in the blender? Are yeah. you chopping yeah. up? Are you chopping up candy? Or you chopping up spinach and greens with a little bit of candy and, and apples and shit like that. So that's that, you know, now it's going to be like, well, who could freak artificial intelligence? And it's not going to be a hard, it's not going to be an easy thing to freak, man, because it's, it's like a wild horse, man. And, yeah. and how do you throw a saddle on a wild horse? Um, it's been done before. You better figure out how they do it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's already, it's already here. And, um, you just got to be very, you got to be a hundred percent informed of who you are before you go into AI. You get, which means that you have a lot of artists out there who are not as astute about the art as their fans. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I got people in my own group that they can't name every song on, they can't even name every album. But me mm-hmm. as a chief writer and, and somebody who I think I'm, I'm wedded to um, Public Enemy. I'm wedded to my work. Um, it behooves me to be on top of what I do and also be on top of these tools that are out there that could really simulate a better you if you're sloppy. That's the most positive, uh, inspirational sort of take I've heard, certainly from, from any artist, because almost every artist just seems terrified and cynical about AI. So I think that's really... Well, really eye-opening well you're a journalist uh sam so uh how about people in your field what, what what's their thoughts well uh they're terrified but uh, i agree with you personally is that you need if you have a, a voice and a perspective that's based on sort of real human experience then that can't really be be mimicked or replicated by ai however sophisticated it is so you need a point of view don't you bro i'm gonna tell you this much man I like flying on planes. I don't want to ever be a pilot. I like flying on planes where it's computerized to the point where it's not making any mistake. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, <laughs> I know the pilot's sitting there, but, I, you know, if I know that AI is staring that plane and they're a thousand or oh, well, 999, you know, percent efficient, I'm not yeah. going to argue with the artificial <laughs> intelligence that's flying that plane to perfection. I might argue that artificial intelligence making a line, giving me an illustration, seeing that if, if how much wit and a soul that it has, but is doing the um, the tasks of, you know, of getting it uh, whatever from A to B efficiently. It's uh, what so we got to choose our, our our likes and our, and and also figure out what our dislikes are about it. And you know, if it's not going to line up well with your line of work, and you're going to be intimidated, eventually it's going to beat you down because mm-hmm. you're getting in the way of the locomotive. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that uh, the airline, I mean, industry got a lot of heat in its first <laughs> fifty years of aviation from. The laughing, the laughing joke that it was when trains were ruling the earth, and then uh, fifty years later, trains were like, "Oh, fuck those things in the air, huh?" You know, <laughs> applauding to every to every aviation crash in history. You know, like, you know, the the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the train, the rail barons was. Uh, screaming in joy at an aviation accident, man. Come on, man. It's just macabre, man, all the way around. So, I mean, hey, man. People are like, oh, man, how do you do that shit? Well, every second, every second I'm doing some doodling, but my doodling is actually something. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. my doodling is actually a quality. So, but I'm doodling anyway. It's like, what the fuck else am I doing with my hands, you know? Well, some, people, some people smoke cigarettes, don't they? Yeah, yeah. People smoke cigarettes or they take a drink and stuff like that. So it's all about filling your time up. This is like my, my, you know, my, I'm going to do some shit and, you know, if I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to drink. And they go, well, yeah, you write songs. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, like tonight I was, I was writing three songs for Flav. Um, and I, and, and it's not like you intently go in to write something. That's a hit. You just write song. But tonight we came up with me and my engineer with fifty percent of a hit, fifty percent chance of having a hit record with Flame. Tonight you did that. Tonight, wow. I mean, we wrote. I've been writing and toying it out, you know, and sketching it out. And he's going to start the Pro- Public Enemy project for twenty twenty four, but it's got to start from him. You know what I'm saying? It's got. He's right. got. It's like. It's got a rendezvous to a nine one one joke period where he goes around, he works it, he goes around, performs it. It's going to be pretty much, and you know, like, you know, yeah, I I went in there to, to do three solid songs for him and submit them, and you you know you you don't make hits. A hit makes a hit tells you, but yeah. sometimes with a hit record, and you know, understand this, he's sixty four. I'm 60, I'll be 63, so, yo. But when I tell you that it's 50% there, a hit yeah. record for flavor, remark my word when I tell you tonight, it's going to be there. It's going to be, it's going to be, you know, all these other ones are great songs, great little logistics and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a public enemy song with flavor doing it, and it's got a little bit of, but, but this other thing, 
fuck, you know, anybody could make this fucking record and it, it would hit because it's just like it happened to fall luckily into a zone. Wow. That must be an incredible feeling. I mean, did you always yeah, know it with your with your other biggest hits? Did you always know like like you know now? Happened four times. Right. You know, I mean, uh, I first did Rebel Wild Applause. I knew that was going to go. If I died the next minute, that was like, that shit's got a life of its own. Mm. Um, 9-1 was a joke. Knew automatically. Um, maybe can't trust it. Maybe can't trust it. Um, and notice I'm not saying fight the power. Yeah. Fight the power had just so much underneath, holding it up. A, a film back yeah. when black folks and hip hop and rap wasn't on film. So it, it just happened to be a really, 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 really good record that had a lot of support behind it, which made that shit our most significant record. Right, and then yeah. when I did harder, harder than you think in 2007, something was funny about that because I I did that shit in one take. Wow. And and, and usually I'm not that one take person. I'm usually like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, like eight to ten takes. We we're gonna nail it. And we got a strong song. I did shit one take. I looked at Gary G. Wiz. He looked at back at me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Listen to it. Like, whoa. And that was in 2007. Yeah, and it sat kind of it sat dorm. It didn't really sit dormant because the song was so academically easy that we kept it in our set because it was an easy song to do, and we kept it in our set. And then it blows up in 2012 to another thing, like it was incubated and went boom. So that was the, probably the fourth record when I knew that we did that record. I said, "This shit is something." So this is one of those rare times where, uh, well, you know, it, it's written and it's sketched out. It's not performed yet. I got to get that performance out of flavor. Yeah, your flavor's got to step well, up. The pressure's on yeah, him now. I think he could do it because he wants to do it so bad. He wants to prove something so bad. And and, and, it's, it, and the thing about it, which makes me confident about it, is easy. It's simple. Mm. It's, it's, it's real simple. I mean, our, our parents could do it. Was Have you got a title in mind? Yeah. Like- Every, everywhere, man. Everywhere. <laughs> Okay. I know I can't even explain. I can't. I yo man, it just came together like boom. And you know, I mean, if I was to do it, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it would. It, it would be okay. But flavor doing it, it's a fucking monster. I can't explain to you any other way. If I was to do it, it was not. It's not enough. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't rock it like he's gonna rock it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The way he's gonna rock it. And, and and it's gonna be so simple. It's gonna be like putting A and B and boom. It's like wow, you know. What, I couldn't what, rock this at all. What happens in your process now? Now that you've sketched it, do you send it to him remotely, or do you mm. get in a studio with him, or what? No. See, this is a misnomer about a lot of this. Uh, uh, the people are oh, you in the studio. Studio's the worst place to hash out songs. Right. It's like the worst place because. You can go in nine different wrong directions, man. It's like you, you, you that's not the place 
to write the song and that's not the place to 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 try to figure out the idea the idea has got to come in the setting like i like like what i'm at now with you know paper you listen to it you sketch it you're going through so much and then when you finally got something that you're going to go in to the studio and arrange on the second level then you go in and arrange on the second level then once you have it all laid out, then you go in there and try to produce it. But basically the production of most things are, all, are after the preparation. And, and, and because what we've seen the last 25 years is that uh, home studios, technology has made it so easy that people want to go into the execution right away because they, they don't have to pay for the studio time. So they're always on the, like trying to execute, you know, trying to execute with the technology. Yeah. You gotta like the technology really seriously is, is here, here, crossing out, you know, going all, you know, typing in, editing out, um, fitting it in, you know, fitting it into the track. And I mean, it's a, like a, your prep work outside. And then when you go in the studio, it's pre-arrangement and then it's execution. Flavor has to execute on it, you know, and that's where you can lose you can lose everything and, and a bunch of different things. So you can lose them in this lack of performance. You can lose it in the lack of a good mix. You can lose it in the lack of a mastering. You can lose it in just, is it too long? Is it too short? And then you can lose it with no support behind it. Yeah. But, you know, but we have the support of this one record by a situation in the United States is called iHeart, and they want to get behind it fully in lieu of a in exchange for a, a, a performance. So I'm performing one time this year, and really, but it's going to be flavor back. And we'll throw some, you know, boom, 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 short set. But this is a song that he has to learn, and like I said, I've written three, and he's written a bunch of them. But when you got six or seven of them, and this is the one, the yeah. rest of them things is going to sit, bro. Because once, I mean, it, 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 it's no way that they, they're even coming close to this thing. And this thing is so simple. It's like, and wow. It's called, okay. And it's called Everywhere. Yeah, I've been everywhere, man. Cool. Yeah. And has he got it now? Have you already sent it to him? No, I, I sent it to his bad. Well, I sketched it out tonight. Right. I sketch I, I mean before the interview. Wow. And I'm, this I'm, was like and this was three weeks coming in and and, and um it was uh, a week and a half of writing. But you know what a week and a half of writing and I'm going to do this thing because I'm still like I'm kinda like winding down. Mm. The week and a half of writing gotta come out of the six months of idea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. idea and the conversation about something, then it's easy to write once you had the idea or something. It's like, wow, you know, you got the idea. So now write into it and carve away what's good, what's bad. You know, those are steps to that. But, you know, it's like idea, prep work, writing, pass out way before you get to the studio. Mm. Because, I mean, now, but like I said, people are lazy. But back in the day, you had to do all these things anyway because the studio was money per hour and you necessarily didn't get a purchase order cleared to go in the studio at all. 
And so that was a different thing. So Public Enemy was known for like, yeah, we're going to come in with a whole bunch of complexities, but trust me, we're coming in, we already know exactly what to do. We can't be in the studio trying to figure it out. You know, yeah. time is money. Time is money and we ain't got none. Chuck, thanks so much. All right, bro. Thank you, Thank really you so much for joining us. I enjoyed your um, interview, man. All the best to you. Yeah, I really enjoyed meeting you. Thanks a lot. Best of luck with all the books. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man. Have a good one, man. That was Chuck D. What a man. What a legend. I can highly recommend his book, Living Loud, which is out now, published by Genesis Publishing. And I've put a link with the show notes. Thanks to Chuck for being my 100th guest on The Reset. And thanks to all of the other guests who shared their stories with me over the past couple of years. And thanks most of all to you for listening and subscribing. I'm so pleased to have come this far with The Reset and I hope it will continue long into the future. To help it do so, please consider supporting my work by becoming a paid subscriber if you're not one already. Just visit samdelaney.substat.com. Until next time, gang, thanks for listening. Be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.